Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. Uh, my name is David and as ever, I'm joined on another episode of General's Orders by the FPL General himself. How are you doing, Mark? We were saying just before we came on, it's very, very hot right now. So I've got my windows open, you've got your curtains closed. So it's a, it's a very uh, inhospitable environment for us today, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, as a, as a podcaster and a YouTuber in Scotland, you usually don't have to battle um, sunlight. Usually you're trying <laughs> to keep yourself warm during a recording. But yeah, curtains are closed. I had to get out the old... Elgato key light, which I'm not too keen on using because it tends to blind me as I'm recording. But <laughs> that's it up. The sun is blocked out and, and hopefully I'll get to enjoy some of it during this international break. One of my favorite, you know, I, I'm a, as a content creator, I love international breaks. I, I know a lot of managers hate them. FPL managers hate them, but I like a bit of a breather. I'm going to go on a bit of a, a short trip to Ireland this week as well. So not a fantastic first four game weeks, but nice to take stock now during the break. Mm. I concur completely. The international break, when you do this for a living, is basically when you get your time off. Uh, so uh, actually, to be fair, I shouldn't complain that the sun has decided to come out in the week where you know it is an international break. I mean, we're still we're still hard at work. We're still doing some things, but it's not quite as stressful. You know, we 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 can, we can talk today and we can take stock, as you said. We can look back at what we've uh, learned so far at the start of the season. But we do have a little break in terms of that decision making, and that's probably the main thing we need a rest from. I mean that going into a deadline, knowing you've got to make a decision by X time or whichever time it is. Um, can take its toll over the course of a season. So a few breaks from decision to avoid us getting decision fatigue is very important, isn't it? Yeah, and it's just I I look forward to the weekends without without red arrows or green arrows. You know, it's <laughs> uh, I try as much as I can quite often on a Saturday to switch off from the games, especially the three o'clock games. You know, when they're not on TV in the UK, usually that's when when the grass gets cut or or something or a bit <laughs> of shopping gets done. I always think of my, I think back to the Moneyball movie. Um, when the games are on, he just jumps into the gym, switches off the TV because he knows it's out of his control then. So I like switching off uh, you know, on a Saturday if I can, but it's impossible. You're always in the back of your mind. Uh, what happens? What's happened? Has Ollie Watkins actually scored yet? <laughs> you know, has, has Saliba scored to hurt me? All that stuff is going on. So I look forward to this weekend where... Saturday and Sunday is just quite relaxing and there's no uh, there's no FPL stress involved. Yeah, and, and the worst one is when it involves the substitutes as well because, I mean, I had that, I think, in game week two 
when uh, it was it was the Sunday in this case with I had Anderson with 11 points on the bench and Gabrielle hadn't come on and Foden wasn't named in the, in the starting 11 he was on the bench and I listened to the City game on the radio and literally just spent the whole game just like everything in my body tensed up like don't bring him on don't bring him on don't bring him on and then of course he did so it's like it, th- those are the worst because that's such a small finickety detail that most people don't really care about but I do for a very niche reason so oh yeah I know exactly what you mean it's it's nice yeah, not that was to, have to worry about that that was me with Gabriel waiting for Gusto last, you know, game week three. It's that 90 minutes watching substitutions, not even caring about the score, just watching the substitutions and 90 minutes feels like bloody 90 days. <laughs> yeah. And I know what you mean in terms of shutting yourself off from, from what feels like control. It's somehow engaging in the game, listening to it, watching it, whatever, however you're taking it in. Maybe if you're just catching updates on Twitter there's part of you that's willing certain outcomes to happen. Whereas if you completely ignore it and you just come to it at the end, like if I, if I hadn't have been uh, engaging in that city game and I just saw on the end, Oh, Foden came on as a sub because I've spared myself the 90 minutes of the perception of control. It doesn't hurt as bad. And so then like it's, it's all about managing yourself as ever. We are our own worst enemies at this game. Yeah, exactly. And it's um, as much as we try and distance ourselves, you know, we always say, Decisions before the deadline are, are fine. You know, don't worry about the outcome, but it's it's hard not to get, you know, wrapped up in the outcome when, when you, you still feel like you could have <laughs> controlled it. So it's trying to get that balance right. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, of course, there was no green hours or red hours this weekend. Have you got any nice plans for, you know, a, a non-FPL Saturday? We talked a bit last week about how uh, we we do like playing a bit of football for, of our own, for example, getting some green arrows on the actual grass rather than on the computer so uh, or, or our phones. Um, yeah. Any nice plans this week? Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, a uh, bit of a holiday. I, I do, um, I think like you play, I still play eight aside on a Tuesday night. Uh, I've been doing that for about a year now. Uh, we moved to the to the to village we're in about three years ago and one of the first things I did was try and try and get involved in a bit of five aside. So we play eight aside on a on a Tuesday night, which is great. So I'll play tonight and then we're going to head to Ireland on, on Friday for a couple of days, back to the homeland, stay with mm-hmm. stay with my mother for a couple of days and there's a nice little local uh, festival on, which, which happens in September every year. So hopefully meet up with a few mates from who I haven't seen for a couple of years. So yeah, going to make the most of the international break, going to take an international trip during the international <laughs> break. Not, not very fancy, just Ireland back home, but uh, going to make the most of it for sure. Well, fingers crossed that you uh, don't pick up any injuries while you're away. Otherwise anyone who's captained you for game week five, I think it's going to be facing a yellow flag. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I'm always, I'm always a bit fearful before a, before a trip away. My wife's never too keen to be playing on a Tuesday night if we're heading away a couple of days later because she knows I'm moaning for a couple of days about sore shins and sore hamstrings, <laughs> but uh, hopefully no no major injuries tonight. Yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Uh, well, of course, with uh, that um, extra time that we've got available uh, to sort of make these decisions, uh, well, rather we don't have to make the decisions this week, we're making them next week. It does, of course, give us the opportunity to really reflect on the season uh, so far. And so we're not going to look at orders today because we normally look at three orders ready for the next game week. We'll do our orders for game week five uh, next week. Um, and this time we're going to have a look back at how the season's gone so far. We're going to nip just into how we got on in game week four because that does obviously form part of it. But then in terms of orders, it will be we learned this lesson, this lesson, this lesson from the first four game weeks and this is how we're going to take those broad learnings through uh, for the rest of the season but what I've done is I've stuck your team from game week four up on the screen uh, Mark uh, 69 points uh, in game week four I do want to talk us through the, the highs and lows of the most recent weekend yeah again for the audio listeners um, basically not much to talk about here 
Captain Haaland with 40, pretty standard. The only other returns came from a couple of midfielders, Madison with seven. So I brought in Madison for Martinelli. Wasn't too keen on, you know, wasn't didn't feel hugely comfortable selling Martinelli. But again, we spoke about getting comfortable selling good picks for good picks. And thankfully, the first game week of owning Madison, he did outscore Martinelli. Although I thought Martinelli was really good against Manchester United. Now, it was an uncomfortable watch as a, as a recent seller. And I was quite happy it was just a, just a five-pointer. Saka chipped in with four. Rashford got the seven. And then blanks elsewhere. Almost everyone got blanks in defence this week. Johnson in goal. Gusto Chilwell in, in a stupid and did nothing. Bruno blanked again. I think that might be three blanks in four. Slightly concerned about him. Jackson with another one-pointer. He's got quite a few of them so far. And then Watkins blanked as well. Uh, no goals for Watkins yet this season. He's saving them all for the, for the Cup games, European Cup games. So um, again, Watkins could be on the chopping block as well. So no transfers made yet during the international break. I spoke a lot going into game week four that I was quite open to a wild card in game four, game week five. And I was kind of open to the idea of activating it on Saturday night or Sunday night if the dominoes fell that you know pushed me towards it. But nothing majorly, you know, I was talking about if Sterling did well again, if Foden smashed it. Things like that would maybe push me towards activating the wild card. Gabriel came back into the Arsenal team, who I still own on my bench. So that's another factor. Maybe I keep him and hope he, hope he plays in game week five. So yeah, I'm not there with the wild card. I'm not saying definitely not during this international break, but if I'm going to activate it, it probably won't be until later next week. And it probably needs a few things to crop up, a few issues to crop up during the break. Obviously, lots of tempting options out there, like Youngman's son, etc. Still would like Mbumo. Sterling, Foden, and again, I'm not too worried about team value. You know, we've probably missed a couple of price rises already, but I want to be 100% sure that I want to activate it before I actually do. And I've got no concerns about activating it maybe Thursday or Friday, even next week, closer to the Game Week 5 deadline, if I think it's the right thing to do at the time. So, you know, Johnston looks like he might be number one for a little bit longer at least. And, you know, I've got Turner to fall back on as well. So, when I'm indecisive, I just do nothing. So at the moment, I'm just kind of letting it stew, you know, listening to a few podcasts, kind of catching up on games, looking at the numbers for the first four game weeks. But at the moment, leaning towards no wild card because if I build a wild card squad and I compare it to what my team would look like if I took a minus four, then it wouldn't be a million miles away from a wild card setup. So yeah, leaning towards not wild card during the break, but we'll see what happens next week. Well, I've just put your game week five uh, bus team uh, on the screen. So, um, you know, a couple of tweaks. You know, obviously, uh, Stupinan uh, on the on the bench, Gusto and Chilwell uh, in, uh, and and Gabriel. Sorry, it's Gabriel who's gone back in. I think it is, but back into the starting lineup. Uh, Turner, as I said, in for Johnston. Um, it's not bad. Like it doesn't look like a team that needs a wild card this week. That's that's my humble opinion. It's not too bad. Yeah, and when I when I did look, uh, you know, set up the bus team, that was my first initial reaction. That team looks pretty decent on paper, especially with the fixtures. You know, you've got you know Jackson, Jackson's at Bournemouth, Madison's got Sheffield United, Saka's got Everton. Uh, again, those three might might well stay on a wild card anyway. But you know, Gabriel's the big one. Um, you know, do do I trust him to start again against Everton? You know, I'd be hopeful, but I've been saying every week. One more week with Gabriel. He's definitely going to play this week. And it, it took until game week four for that to happen. In an ideal world, if Gabriel starts, I play him against Everton. Bench is stooping in against Manchester United. And then just hopefully Reese James is not in the picture just yet come game week five. And I get another game week or two out of Gusto. Um, so yeah, the team looks fine. Like I said, I had a quick look at you know possible moves. Very early to do so. But 
I've been talking about maybe doing a wee restructure with a minus four going back to three, five, two. So Watkins will come out for Archer possibly. And that opens the door for one of those midfielders, you know, Sterling's, Foden's and Bumos. And I would just feel a lot happier about my team, I think, if it was in a in a three five two, and I could jump around the midfielders a little bit more because there's a lot of them that I want. But again, Hyungman Son's very tempting for for Sheffield United at home, but it's it's probably losing one of the more expensive midfielders to get there, which um I'm not overly keen on doing. But we'll see how I feel about players like Bruno come come next Friday. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting actually because uh, a lot of people are looking to sell Bruno. Uh, his price has actually gone down already, so he's eight point four. Um, I'd mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago, well, no, no, sorry, last week that I was planning on getting rid of Rashford, who obviously did score against Arsenal, because I actually preferred. I wanted to have a United attacker in my team at some point. We're just looking at the season ticking now. From game week six onwards, they got a nice little run of Burnley away, Palace at home, Brentford at home, and then Sheffield United away. Got a City game, yes, but then game week 11 and 12, they got Fulham away, Luton at home, uh, and then Everton away. Really nice run for a United attacker in there, and I prefer Fernandez. So seeing Fernandez's price come down as a non-owner, I'm sort of like thinking, hmm, hello. Um, that's quite useful for me. Uh, so, as someone who has him, well, I mean, it sounds like you know you're going to wait around. But can you? I suppose you can anticipate yourself keeping him. Uh, but I suppose yeah, I guess I you, think... it's too United attackers too many, maybe. Yeah, I think I think almost every comment on every tweet this season I put up or a YouTube comment is like you've got too much faith in Manchester United, and maybe I do, maybe I do. But um, I think going into the season, Bruno Rashford both look like great picks. The issue is Manchester United haven't started the season very well. You know, lots of injuries, a lot of players underperforming. But I think Rashford, the good news for him, he's back on the left. You know, Hoyland's probably going to start. Uh, starting games from now on, which is good news for Rashford. Rashford's actually getting you know decent returns as well. Bruno's the the question mark, and I think I'm quite I'm struggling. I think most managers are probably struggling with this this season. You've got a player like Bruno who, in my eyes, yes, he's been a bit disappointing, but in, on the other side, I still think he could be a season keeper. But the, the the temptation is all these other shiny new midfielders you can get in any given game week. Any game week you look at, you have very good options that you don't have that have good fixtures. In particular, the midfielders and give me five no exception. There's a lot of tasty fixtures in there. Um, so yeah, I think again, I'm kind of conflicted in the way I play the game. I kind of pick and hold players maybe longer than others. So Bruno probably will stay, but maybe the maybe the way they play the game this season is to be you know more open, maybe to jumping on and off, maybe jumping off Bruno now for a Hyungman Son against Sheffield United. And you can always jump back to Bruno when 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 fixtures improve for for United. So again, I don't love the Brighton fixture. I know Brighton's defensive numbers are not good. So maybe that you, you think that's good for Rafford and Bruno, but I just think Brighton are so good and they could easily go out and and win the game uh, comfortably, possibly. And, and you know United could struggle um, in that game. So Brighton could could dominate possession, and there could be might not be too many you know great chances for Bruno and Rashford. So there's a lot there's a lot going on here with with these two players, and certainly open to the idea of losing one in the near future and, and diversifying a wee bit. You make an excellent point about Brighton because uh, I um, looked at some of the defensive numbers on Friday in the deadline stream. And because, I mean, in a way, it's kind of all we've got the decision. All, all, we have very limiting things that we can make decisions on when we've only had three game weeks. So looking at the numbers, Brighton were officially one of the worst defences in the Premier League. They'd, off, they'd offered up one of the highest XGCs. Newcastle, by comparison, hadn't. <laughs> they were sort of in the top three or four for that particular stat. Uh, so my view was, I think, that I'm going to bench a Stupinian because I think he's going to concede a fair few goals. Uh, no. <laughs> Brighton absolutely trounced Newcastle. So, yeah, like anything can happen. The numbers they've posted so far don't have to mean anything, I guess. Like, they're capable of, of, of winning games and smashing teams and wouldn't put it past them doing it against United in their current state. So, yeah, some lots of decisions to make around around Brighton. 
Um, and it, well, that same thing with me actually with my team, uh, Stupinian. I uh, the, the, the journey for my game was really interesting because I, in the end, as I've just said there, between benching a Stupinian or Cash, <laughs> and I benched a Stupinian. So then when he got the when they when the clean sheet wipe got wiped out, I was so happy. I was like, yes, surely now Cash is going to outscore him. Nope. <laughs> It was close. It was a three-point difference. Of course, of course, Cash ended up with a minus one. Uh, but I guess I shouldn't complain too much. I mean, I got 70 points, so Flecken, Cash, minus one. Anderson got just the one because Wolves decided to turn on the goals, finally. Uh, Chilwell, one point as well. Uh, my moves were uh, Rashford to um, Madison, Pedro to Jackson. So, I mean, I'm not unhappy with those transfers. I think they were the right ones to do. Uh, but I got, and it, I, I think it just about worked out. I think, or it was, I didn't cost myself some points. I mean, Rashford scored, but Madison did as well, uh, and then Pedro and, and Jackson. I think in a similar bracket. So I'm not upset, and I'm still happy with what that means to my team going forward. And Burmo came through again. Diaby didn't do anything. Foden with another assist. Sack with four points. Captain Harlan. I do have Archer. 12 points for me on the bench, but it doesn't really hurt that much because I was never intending to really use him. I, I look at the, the season ticker and I think there's like one fixture I'd start him and it's probably the blank game week with City in game week like 18 or something. So anything he does, it's not going to upset me because it's, he, I have no intention of using him. So if he gets something, that's fine. Uh, I might get jammy at some point if he keeps doing that and someone gets subbed, you know, so... Or someone gets benched, I should say. Um, so that's sort of like my current situation. So I've dropped down to 82k. But again, I'll take that, to be honest. Um, it was quite a big drop. It was a drop of about 60k places. Um, but, you know, at this stage of the season, if someone had offered me 82k at this stage of the season, I'd have taken it. And then for my bus team as well, I've also put Gabriel back in. And now I initially did it because I thought, well, I want to sell him this week for a Spurs defender. Because, of course, at home against Sheffield United and there's some good... Fixtures coming up for Spurs defence and, uh, you know, Dogi looks good, Poro looks good, etc. But then, yeah, I mean, you make an excellent point, to be honest. He might actually start against Everton and that actually I could quite like, to be honest, because I think Everton haven't really fulfilled their attacking potential this so far this season. Beto does look good, so maybe that ends in up being ways, the game. In many ways, I wish... I'm looking at Gabriel and my starting 11 now, Everton away. I really wish it was Manchester City away or Liverpool away because then I would definitely sell him. I feel That's like he's just true. clinging on. It's like that meme, you know, grabbing for the grabbing for the thing you, you just can't, just about can't reach. Gabriel seems to survive <laughs> week on week. Uh, um, but again, if he does start, the chances of a clean sheet there are good. So yeah. I think when it's that kind of scenario, and obviously keep an eye, I'll keep an eye on the press or comments from Arteta and stuff like that. Not that he's very helpful, really, for FPL with his comments usually, but it's just this season it feels more exciting to make a forward transfer or a midfield transfer or transition to something like you have. I think you're in a group position to already have Archer in your in your squad structure. It's just makes future transfers a lot easier. Um, so, yeah, I need to be careful. I need to get the balance right, you know, with making exciting midfield transfers and not ignoring the defence too much because I need to keep a close eye on Gusto. If James comes back, that will weaken my defence, even if it's you know shared game time. Gabriel, I still expect to be a concern for me going forward. You know, if Arteta changes up his tactics, he can drop out at any time. Uh, a stupid and fine long-term hold, but the fixtures are not fantastic. So I do need to be careful. And something like Gabriel to Udogi is is a possibility for me as well. If I don't make a, an attack and transfer, maybe maybe that'd be a sensible move. But um yeah, we'll see. We'll see how I feel next week. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you're absolutely right. This fixture for Gabriel, it's it's like a, I think they, I think they call it a thirst trap, where it's like, hmm, that actually looks pretty good. 
but then but then it just inevitably fails because i what i can see happening is like this is the game where everton turn on you know, the, the, well, they finally start capitalising on because they have actually racked up some decent XG numbers. They just can't finish. But this Beto guy does look quite good in the games that he's played. It will be Gabriel will start. Everyone has put him back in their team because they feel like, OK, here we go, lads. Gabriel's back on. And then Everton get two or three goals and we all just get one point for him. So I can, or, or alternatively, we all just realise that's going to happen, sell him and Arsenal win 3-0 and he gets a goal. So I think I just feel like he's cursed. He's a cursed player. Yeah, so and then it's... If we do keep him, it's uh, you look at your boss team for game week six, you're heading towards the end of <laughs> September, and you're asking why on earth do I still have Gabriel? You know, yeah. it was August August 11th, I think, when when the leak came through, yeah. and we may still have him at the end of September. <laughs> so we may need to have a good chat with ourselves if that, if that happens. Yeah, very true. Well, speaking of chats with ourselves, let's move on to the things that we've learned, because there's a lot of things here that do involve um, sort of, a bit of introspection in terms of how we've, uh, how we've done so far in the season and uh, what we can learn from that. So the, uh, the first lesson uh, that we've learned uh, very much it does, it does involve last minute changes and plans and things like that. So yeah, take us away with lesson number one. Yeah, so I mean, I've been playing FPL for a long time, but I, I'm as susceptible as anyone to fall into kind of traps with over overthinking and over tinkering before game week one. So what one of my first lessons learned from this preseason and game week one is don't change a plan 24 hours before game week one. So that refers to me every single draft preseason for weeks and weeks. Not that I made too many, you know, maybe four or five over the course of a month. Every one of them was three, five, two. I was buying on about three, five, two. It's the way to go. There's loads of midfielders. And then what do I do 24 hours before the deadline? I take out Matoma and I go for Joe Pedro and I switch to three, four, three. And yes, Pedro scored, I think was game week two, game week one. Then I think was dropped game week two and, you know, hasn't been great. And Matoma has, as expected, done done quite well. But it's it's not even the Matoma Joe Pedro decision. It's the it's the team structure decision. Every game week, I look at my team and I think I would rather be three five two this week because there's players I want in midfield, and it's tricky to get there because I've got Watkins up front. Um, so I've got Haaland, Watkins, and Jackson. So there's a fair bit of cash invested there, and that's why I'm probably if the deadline was in ten minutes time, I would probably take Watkins out for Archer, get a fifth midfielder and reverse my, basically, I'm going to call it a mistake because I think it probably was. It was overthinking. It was over-tinkering. Joe Pedro doesn't really fall into the category of picks I would usually play in game week one anyway. Matoma um, is probably more of a safer pick in my eyes. Um, so, yeah, it was, I, I mean, it's, it is there's some hindsight here. Joe Pedro could have went on and, and been a really good pick, but I do regret it. And it's caused me a couple of headaches since then. And I'm not my, my team is not where I want it to be right now in terms of team structure. So I wanna I wanna remember this for future preseasons. If there's a certain team structure that you're you're looking at for weeks and weeks and you think it's really good, that's probably the one you should go for. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And the, the, I think what really doubles down this lesson being an important one for us all to learn going forward is that I have effectively the same uh, pr- uh story in principle it's different specifics but i did exactly the same thing um and it's about arsenal i, I know we've sort of already talked about uh, um, gabriel and people are probably fed up of me talking about this because i did mention this i think on the game week two episode i spent all summer completely not interested in the arsenal defense and i saw everybody else being like oh yeah we need an arsenal defender we need an arsenal defender to the extent it became a bandwagon and it's like well you've got to have them so you've covered that off 
and and I just said on everything that I was on, it's like I actually don't trust the Arsenal defence. Look at how they finished the end of last season. Um, really, really poor. Defensive numbers are really bad. Four clean sheets in their last 20 at home. So if you can't even trust your 5 to 5.5 million Arsenal defender at home against a Bournemouth or a Fulham, like genuinely, what's the point? Um, and then I less than well, it was, it was the Thursday night before the deadline. I started to get a bit itchy, realizing, oh, I'm the only one who doesn't have one, and I had a spot for a defender. Admittedly, I had a spot for a defender that I felt wasn't completely locked in, so I thought, oh, go on then. Why not uh, go for it? I went for Gabriel. I was then on a stream, so I missed the Gabriel news, so didn't have the chance to move to Saliba. And I think the 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 recurring theme in both is we kind of we knew what we wanted to do. We decided to change our minds short notice, and it's almost like the FPL gods are punishing both of us for kind of questioning our own judgment, if that makes sense, because we, we, we felt like we were confident on a certain point of view and we, we had doubt in our own opinion. And because we didn't back it, like that's why it went wrong. <laughs> that's what it feels like. I mean, I know that's probably reading too much into it, but um, certainly sticking with your gut and sticking with things you've planned um, can usually have more reward. And I was just looking at how Arsenal defenders have got on. They have... Actually, it's annoying. I was right. They have gone exactly the way I expected. No Arsenal defender scored more than 16 points. That's Saliba. And there's at least 10 or 11 defenders that have scored more than him. Outside of Saliba, uh, you've got uh, White on 11 points, Tommy Asu on 5, Gabriel on 4, Zinchenko on 4, Kivior on 2. So Arsenal defenders have not been the must-own. You have to cover this defence. And they've kept one clean sheet in the first four. And I envisaged that happening, and I decided to bet against myself just to follow the crowd. And look what happened. So that's how I feel on it. <laughs> yeah, again, just emphasises to me, if you've got a plan or if you've got a strong feeling, you know, back yourself. And I guess without even, you know, without even trying to or, you know, I, I think... You say to yourself, or at least I say to myself, I don't get influenced by others. I, you know, I paddle my own canoe. I make my own decisions. But if you're if you're online at all, if you're on Twitter, if you're part of you know WhatsApp, FPL groups, or anything like that, or you consume any kind of content, you know, subconsciously you are being influenced. And I think that's what happened with Joe Pedro because he wasn't in any draft until 24 hours beforehand. And I remember I did a stream on the Thursday night, and it was basically I had two drafts ready. One had Matoma 3-5-2 and one had Joe Pedro 3-4-3. And I think one of the reasons I, I ended up going without Matoma was I couldn't decide on which 6.5. Basically, I couldn't decide which 6.5 midfielder to go for between Bumo, Matoma and Eze. And I also couldn't decide on which 4-5 defender to go for between the likes of Colwell, Botman, Aston Villa defender. So in the end, because I couldn't decide on those, those two positions, Going for Joe Pedro allowed me to avoid 6.5 mids and 4.5 defenders altogether, which again, I don't think was a smart play because if I was considering three 6.5 million midfielders, surely I was going to want one in the near future anyway. So why would I not go for that price point? And again, I'm I'm, I'm big on price points to start the season. And if you go for a 5.5 price point up front, you're creating problems for yourself if it doesn't work out, which it hasn't. And we're going into game week five, and I'm still feel I'm a little bit snookered sometimes when it comes to transfers because of the price points. I, I've kind of changed the structure now because Jackson came in for Pedro rather than Watkins to Jackson. But um, yeah, and again, it's why there is like temptation to wild card. It's like just play the wild card, go three five two, get Youngman's son, get a new goalkeeper, get some, get Alvarez, get Foden. There's loads of there's loads of wild card temptation. So uh, 
Yeah, the more I talk about it, the more tempting it gets. <laughs> well, in which case, we'll stop talking about it so that we don't cause you to, to make uh, snap judgments. <laughs> but speaking of snap judgments... Take my, take my finger off the button here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of snap judgments, someone who does like making his snap judgments is, of course, uh, my dad. And um, I, every week I'm like, do we need to keep updating people on how my dad's team's getting on? Well, we have to, really. Dad's army is is, is the theme of, of the thing. But this week, he's had an absolute stormer. And you're going to hate this, Mark, because I think you already don't get on with the idea of my dad and his, the way he runs his team. 97 points this week. <laughs> he's absolutely destroyed both of us. How does that? How, are you, are you, how does that make you feel? Are you want to? Does that make you want to press the wildcard button even more? I'll go through his team just, in a second. I, before you've even told me who he owns, I'm just disgusted that he scored 97. <laughs> I can I can almost guess he's going to be some rogue picks in here. Oh, go on. Then. Well, see, if Mark can't actually see, so go on then. Do you want to? You, you get three guesses. He, he must have. Um, he must have one of the hat trick heroes at least, Son or Ferguson. Oh, he actually doesn't. How has he scored 97 without them? <laughs> I'll give you two more guesses. You've got two more guesses, and I'll give you a clue as to who he supports as well, if you remember. He's, his team's called Top Six Hammers. Ah, uh, I remember I predicted that he might captain Bowen, so I know he has Bowen. He's got Bowen. Did he, did he get Ward Price as well? No, no. Different different part of the team. So here's your final guess. Your final guess It's a West Ham player in defence. Zuma. Yeah, he's got Zuma. That's what, that's what did it. Of course he does. Yeah. So his transfers were, um, it was Barnes and Wilson to Umbermo and Antonio. So his transfers didn't really do that much, but he sort of, he's templated himself into Umbermo. But the rest of the team, Ramsdale, White, Dunk, Zuma, uh, uh, Umbermo, Matoma, Bowen, Saka, uh, Antonio, Alvarez and Haaland. So that's what's done the 97 points. So he is up to, I think, something like 2 million now. So... Which for him is good, so I'm I'm quite proud of him this week. But yeah, it, we were saying before we came on, if me and you have a good week, he tends to have a terrible one because he's so off template. But when we have a kind of below average week, because I think the average this week is 72, so we're both below that. Um, he has a stormer. I mean, it's just FPLA. Yeah, that's um, it's always a killer when you've had a below par game week. It's always frustrating to see the your more casual mates in the mini leagues, absolutely <laughs> storming it. I'm in a, I'm in a mini league with a couple of casuals. Um, I usually win it most seasons, but always at the start of the season, I'm, I'm well behind and it's, I think I'm fifth or sixth already. And obviously they're enjoying it and <laughs> there'd be a bit of banter in the WhatsApp, but uh, yeah, the pressure's on to, to claw back the lead already. That, that's the worst thing is when, I mean, this is, this probably sounds a bit rude, but when you know, you know better than them because like, come on, it's the general, right? You're, yeah, you're more informed at least. Yeah, more informed. Let's go with that. That's that's much less offensive. Uh, when they sort of lord it over you as if they all of a sudden, you know, like, you know, they they used to be the apprentice, but now I am the master. That's kind of like the attitude they take. And it's just can be quite insufferable, can't it? <laughs> yeah. Like I said, these early weeks are always a bit painful for when you look at many leagues. You're probably better off not looking at many leagues till after Christmas, but yeah, uh, that's very can't true. help it. Yeah, exactly. Um, right, let's move on to our second lesson learned so far. And it does, uh, unfortunately, bring us back to the Arsenal defence. Um, but it's, well, in terms of one of the specific uh, things we're going to talk about here, but the broad subject, of course, is largely related to team news and when we receive it. Yeah, lesson learned. Basically, leaks are part of the game now and you've got to use them to your advantage. You know, they're they're not going to go away. We're probably not going to get a deadline change to the to the first kickoff or or however we would like it. So, game week one, we all you know whoever was online was able to switch Gabriel to Saliba or someone else, and those who didn't have time or couldn't get online or didn't want to make a panic decision two minutes before deadline, you know, didn't do it. 
And obviously Saliba did well first game week or second game week. It's come around a wee bit now, you know, some of the alternatives to Saliba and Gabriel did do well, maybe game week three or game week four. But yeah, basically, you know, leaks are here. They're probably going to stay. Um, and I know it's tricky in certain time zones because if it's three or four in the morning, you're probably not going to set an alarm to wake up for a team leak. I probably would if I'm a, if I'm living in Australia, but that's just me because I'm I'm full-time FPL and I care about rank and I care about many leagues. But yeah, if you, you know, obviously if you can be online now close to the deadline, it just makes sense to do so. It's probably, it's not, it's not good for the game, I don't think, but if you want to do well at the game and there's an advantage you, that you might be able to get in, in certain game weeks and, you know, if it's there, you, you may as well use it. Um, it's there for everyone. If you're, if you're online close to the deadline, um, you know, Liverpool is a good example now in game week five. I think they're the first kickoff against Wolves. If we get a team leak beforehand and Darwin's starting, you know, you might save your transfer up until close to the deadline. You might go Watkins to Darwin and you could bang yourself a brace or a hat-trick and get the edge over the people who can't be online, who are doing something else or they're sleeping or they've already made their moves. So um, it adds a little other dynamic to the game and it's probably probably the best way you can get an edge over rivals nowadays is taking advantage of a team leak. But yeah, they're here to stay. And if you can, you just got to start using them to your advantage. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it doesn't necessarily imply that we think it's 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 you know great news or whatever. Um, you just sort of roll with it, roll with the punches. Like it's something that's there, so you may as well use it. I go, although I'm actually going to put a question to you in terms of because I think that there's one thing that people sometimes forget about leaks uh, and and team news drops around that time is. There's one thing knowing the information and the second thing is knowing how to apply that information to your team because um, sometimes knowing that a city attacker is benched, what tends to happen sometimes is that, oh, quick, quick, well, we must sell Foden. Let's just say we found out he wasn't going to start in one of these scenarios and grab someone else like a Grealish, someone we know is starting in that game. Um, I suppose I think that there's an element of they can trick us into becoming desperately short-term because just because that guy's benched today, especially if it's City, I mean, you've got to play situational. If it's an Arsenal defender, then absolutely, I think selling Gabriel at 6.28pm on the first Friday made total sense. But if it's in a team where you know rotation is rife, there's every possibility, for example, that in the very game where he's benched, you sell him and he comes on and gets 10 points because he gets a goal and assist. Or alternatively, he doesn't play this one, you've sold him, and then the guy you've bought is the one who's then benched next week, but it's not near the deadline. It's on a Sunday afternoon, so you don't find out in time. And the guy you sold over the next four or five game weeks um, outscores the guy who you bought at a snap decision. So I suppose, in a way, the two first lessons learned, you can kind of bring them together. To what extent do you allow those team leaks to change the plans you've made? Um, if, if that makes Because I think that some people get into the view of, oh, look, I, I hear this guy's bench, so I must sell him. Or I hear this guy's starting, so I must buy him. Like, it's not quite as simple as that. I guess it's kind of like what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I think just to sum that up, it's kind of how you react or how you manage a team league is very important. And it's maybe a case of if you've got a couple of transfers in mind for Gaming 5, for example, if they involve Liverpool players or if you already own Liverpool players, maybe have an XYZ scenario. If Darwin's benched, I do this. If Darwin starts, I do this just so you're ready and it's not a, a last-minute panic. And it's, again, obviously, a lot of the, your first instinct is, right, this player's benched, I'm going to sell him. But you always consider, you know, should I just bench him uh, and play one of my subs? Because, you know, 
rolling a transfer, if that was your initial plan, that might still be the best plan long term. If you've got, you know, if you're planning to bank your transfer and do some surgery the week after, you can very quickly forget that plan in a last minute panic, make a transfer and then think, ah, I was actually planning to do a bit of surgery with two frees next week. So yeah, maybe just kind of noting things down in your phone or on a piece of paper and, you know, a couple of scenarios, if this happens, I do that or, or, or whatever is, is probably quite useful because it is often quite late in the day. Um, you know, the game week one, one was quite late in the day and, and sometimes you've only got 10 or 15 minutes of, of a, of a team leak. So yeah. And you've also got the issue that the anxiety of the website crash, you know, the app crashing, which just makes you even more panicked. So yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. It's uh, I hate it to be honest. I do. I do hate the leaks. Yeah, it's it, yeah. It, as you say, it, it it's there. We acknowledge it's there. We use it when we can. But um, yeah, it's 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 very difficult for us to say anything other than like we. <laughs> it's stressful and uh, not as fun as it used to be in 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 the old days. Look at us, two old men. We're like back in. The I know two <laughs> two old men moaning. It was uh, I like making my transfers on a Friday night for a Saturday morning deadline. Yep. Have a sleep in. Don't worry about it. Even sleep through the deadline. But now you've got to be you've got to be alert. You've got to be on the ball for these for these team leagues. Mm, absolutely. Well, in t- in terms of being alert and on the ball for stuff, someone who was alert and on the ball this week was Sonny. Um, now we we've done this a couple of times. It's it's a team that is filled literally with people who have the word Son in their name, either in the first or the second half of their name. It's always going to captain one particular individual, and he of course got a hat trick this week, didn't he, Mark? So take us through. Uh, is it well? Is this the first time Sonny's beaten you this season? It must be. Yeah, first taken until game week four to beat me, but he's absolutely smashed me out of the park this time. Yeah. So yeah, ninety-one points for Sonny Soldiers. It was quite. So I decided. Um, I should say Sonny decided at at five months old when the season started that <laughs> Hyungman Son was going to be his perma captain for the season. That will never change unless there's an injury. So we were out and about on Saturday. It was actually Sonny's six month birthday, um, you know, half birthday or whatever it's called on 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 Saturday. So it's quite fitting that <laughs> that was the day that Hyungman Son decided to turn up with a hat trick. And as soon as that happened, I knew I was in trouble. You know, I I knew I had Captain Haaland to bail me out. Hopefully. Uh, they both got 40 points as captains but the rest of his team audio listeners absolutely smashed it uh, Robertson with a clean sheet Patterson chipped in I think with an attack and return Son with the 40 points Madison with 7 Ferguson with 17 so we got the two hat-tricks Youngman Son and Ferguson Wilson came off the bench to score and, and he could have been even more Allison on the bench with 8 Ederson started and, and didn't get a clean sheet. People are probably wondering why Solly March is in there. Basically, Sonny's team was doing absolutely shocking for the first two, three game weeks. So I thought he needs an extra bit of spice in midfield. He was born in March, so I made the exception. Mason Mount was injured, so Solly March came in. And, of course, as soon as he's come in, he's done absolutely <laughs> nothing. But, uh, yeah, after they smashed it, he's beat me this week. I think he's gone from something like 9 million rank to 6 million rank. So... Not that it matters too much. This is all about the the weekly head to head. So it's interesting as well. He had before before Brennan Johnson went to Tottenham. Brennan Johnson was already on his bench for Nottingham Forest, so he can now line up with four Tottenham midfielders yeah. if he wants to. Four Tottenham shirts across the middle of the park, which <laughs> is I'm definitely just going to try and leave that there as long as possible. That's I know I'll incredible. have to have to remove one if if there's a transfer made soon but I'll, I'll leave it there as long as I can and hopefully one week start all four of the Tottenham guys just for a nice little uh, 
nice little screenshot for the old Twitter. Yeah, that's incredible. I had I hadn't twigged that at all because of course, yeah, you you can do it in inverted commas. It's just that you I, I've never seen this to be honest. I've never had this in my team, so I don't even know what the user interface looks like when you make the transfer because it won't let you make any transfers that are not removing the fourth Spurs player I think is the official yeah. rule so when when you come to that I want to see the screenshot of the error message you get when you try and transfer out someone else because I've never I've just never seen it it's like the lesser spotted Bigfoot or something yeah I'll make sure make sure I get a screen grab and we can uh we'll use it for a stream <laughs> looking forward to that that's, that's going to be the highlight of my season I think I've, I've, it's something I've never seen in FPL never thought I'd, uh, never thought I'd be able yeah. to say that um but so yes a big red a big red arrow for me and Robin salt in the wind, beaten by my beaten by my six month old. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you did you did make some of the decisions for him, so don't feel too bad. Don't feel too bad. Um, <sighs> yeah, well, let's move on to the the third lesson learned, which does of course involve negative experiences, and we've got one Brian and Burmo on the screen. Um, so yeah, talk us through this one. Yeah, another lesson learned. Uh, again, more of a reminder to myself is to when you go into a new season, you've got to shake off previous negative experiences. And I was one of those managers who didn't really have Mbumo in many drafts, maybe one or two out of six or seven drafts during preseason. And I was quite determined not to go there because I was you know, quite strong in my belief that I think there might have been better options elsewhere. And I was clinging on to that you know, experience of owning him before where he hit the woodwork so many times, blanked so many times, wasn't as composed in front of goal as he seems to be now. He's still not perfect, but he's certainly getting lots of chances and he's putting them away. So I think one of my lessons learned is quite simply, Brian Mbumo is a really good player. He's a really good FPL pick. Brentford are great. Playing without Tony seems to be playing into his favour because he's got to step up. He's got the penalties. He's just absolutely fantastic. Lots of avenues to points, set pieces, corners, penalties. He is, I think, top among midfielders for non-penalty xg so even if you take the penalties out of it he's smashing it for the underlying numbers so yeah a mistake again i think was putting too much weight on previous experiences with mbimo and and maybe not reacting quickly enough over the first four game weeks as well I, but again that comes back to the whole team structure if i was 352 it would have been easier to get to mbimo by now than it is with three strikers so he's still not my team but he's still right up there as one of the players I want to get in as soon as possible. And I think if I was on a wild card, even though the fixtures are not as good as they were now for Brentford, there's still a good chance he'd be in because he could be a just a glue pick for, for the season. So yeah, those negative experiences with players, you've got to have a clean slate. It's very hard to do, but when a player like Mbumo is out of position, penalties, good fixtures, good team, shake them off and just, and just go there. Yeah, it's it's important to learn, or to to. Well, we, I think we we have learned over many years of playing FPL that one season is very different to the next. You know, for example, one season hits are going to pay off, one season they're not because there's lots of players whose fixtures line up in such a way that you can just kind of hold three or four uh, through a period and don't jump on, jump off. You sort of mentioned earlier on, for example, that you know there's a possibility that cycling through these midfielders this season could could work. Um, tailoring your decision making process to the here and now rather than relying on historical either data or experiences is very, very important. So, yeah, Burma probably encapsulates that better than most because, yeah, he was very frustrating last season, wasn't he, with all those uh, hitting the woodwork. Um, I suppose that perhaps implied he was he was about to explode, you know. Yeah, I guess what I, what I, my thought process should have really been, you know, I, I'm probably even thinking back a couple of seasons, even more so than last season. 
if I put more weight on on the end of last season when he was really good without Tony, that was what I should have been putting more weight on than than you know maybe a couple of seasons ago when he was probably new to the league and finding his feet, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, it was uh yeah, I was never close to buying him. So I guess in that way, there's not too much regret. But I also think I just overlooked him. I think. Hmm. Yeah.